Welcome back to Fig and Farm at Home. I am so glad you're here as we continue this conversation all about trends. We have been diving into new trends in 2022 and one just caught me by surprise in a very good way. So if you're tuning in today and you don't know what I'm talking about, I want you to go back a couple episodes and I want you to listen to the top few trends that are predicted for 2022. Now, of course, if you go to any design website, they're going to have their own opinion and they might not correlate. So what you might have already read might be different than what I'm saying, but these are design experts predicting a trend and I caught wind of one and this one tickled me. And that is getting rid of the cheap stuff and bringing in the good old stuff. And it tickled me because this is what I do. This is what Fig and Farm at Home started as. So I am super thrilled to be sharing some tips for how you can follow the trend in your own home in this new year. Quick recap, last week we talked about ways that you can thrift efficiently because finding the good old stuff isn't necessarily about going right now to Target and shopping the the new aisle at Target. Finding the good old stuff means you need to find the good old stuff. You need to find it. It is generally secondhand, right? One of the main things we talked about last week was that thrifting is a variety of things. Thrifting is not just going to a thrift store, though of course that's a good venue. Thrifting is so many things. It is looking online at Facebook Marketplace, at Craigslist. Thrifting is going to garage sales, going to thrift stores, going to consignment stores, which is one that I forgot to mention last week, but is definitely noteworthy. Thrifting is also taking hand-me-downs. When grandma asks you again next time you see her if you would like that hutch sitting in her dining room, yes, say yes. We can work with that. We can always work with that. That is what thrifting is. Okay, and then I gave you seven tips last week also about how to do it efficiently. Let's say you do go into a thrift store. How do you, how are you successful? How do you go in and not spend more money than you intended? How do you get the good stuff? How do you just walk away feeling like it was a good use of your time and not a waste of your time? And one of those tips last week is where we're going to be spending and camping on a little bit today. And that tip was to make a generalized list. Now, quick recap. Whenever you are thrifting, you need to manage your expectations. Absolutely. The higher expectations, the bigger disappointment you're going to have. The lower expectations you have, the greater reward you will get. But knowing managing expectations and keeping a generalized list are two different things. You can still be efficient with a generalized list. And I do want you to have one in the back of your mind. Now we're going to tap into that. We're going to talk about that today. Because the good old stuff isn't necessarily just talking about furniture, it's talking about any of the home decor pieces, the things that really bring story and nuance to your space, that's awesome. And I'm going to give you my generalized list so that it can help you in your search. But at the very end of today's show, we're going to be talking about what happens when you find the furniture. What happens when you bring it home and you bring it home knowing that it's been, it's secondhand and with secondhand means story and life and chapters that has been lived before you that you might now need to kind of clean up a little bit. We're going to talk about that and some of my most common tips for making that successful for you as you dive into this new trend in 2022. 
All right, you might want to take some notes, so grab what you need, and I'll meet you back here. Enjoy today's show. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is, but our culture has shifted, and now the message is, home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff, it's about the story, and whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget, like ramen eating, Goodwill shopping budget, and I learned a few things along the way, like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank. And I'm sharing it all with you. Tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. Last weekend, I went thrifting and I came home with a cart full, a carload, and my store is now packed. I was super successful and I was successful because I had a list of generalities. I always go thrifting with this idea of what it is I'm going to be hunting for, and it doesn't really change from time to time to time. The list of generalities is made based off of my aesthetic, and I fine-tuned that over the course of the years, and I know what it is that I'm drawn to. Now, when I talk about aesthetic, I'm not talking about a global style. I'm not talking about East Coastal nautical style. I'm not talking about modern farmhouse. I'm not talking about any of those big design terms. I'm talking about the teeny tiny little things that are the nuance of what you gravitate towards, the nuance of your style, like what metals you always gravitate towards, what type of wood finishes you gravitate towards. That's what I'm talking about. Do you like chunky frames or thin frames? Those teeny tiny little nuances make up your aesthetic. And that is a good thing. And those aesthetics are going to be the thing that are going to be driving your list of generalized ideas so that you can be most successful when you go thrifting. So as I share my top 10, the point isn't that you copy my top 10. Of course, if they might be yours, fantastic. The idea is that you gain inspiration so that you can start understanding what your generalized list might be. Now, before I share what my top 10 are, I do want to make sure that you know that even though I have a generalized idea of the things I always look for, my expectations remain super low. If my expectations are really low going in, I'm not going to be disappointed when I walk out. I might leave room for being surprised, and that is what I want. That's what I want for you too. But if I go in and my expectations are super high, and I know that I'm going to be looking for an uber-specific piece, I'm probably not going to find it. I'm going to walk away disappointed and frustrated and maybe not want to go thrifting again. So making sure that you can have a generalized list as well as low expectations, it's always a good thing. Now. I do know, I do have one very specific item on my list. This is something that I'm always on the hunt for. I mentioned it last week. This is my grandma's stemware. I have three pieces and I would someday love to find some more to complete my set, but I'm not expecting to find it. I'm just holding it as a specific item that I hope for. And quite honestly, there are times when I forget to look for it. 
There are times when I walk down the stemware aisle and I'm gravitating towards one thing or another and I, even though I'm looking at stemware, I forget to look for grandmas. So I can have one specific item tucked in the back of my brain, but it's not going to be what I go out and search for. And I hope that you do the same. So keep it general, keep your expectations low, and you're bound to be successful. Are you ready for my top 10? Here they are. I have categorized my top 10 into subcategories. So what you're going to find is that my first subcategory is pretty much anything that you can put onto a bookshelf, anything that will enhance your bookshelf style, anything that will elevate the look of the books that you have on display. If you don't know, bookshelf styling is something that I encourage you to do. It is teachable and it's something that you can learn. And bookshelves are a great opportunity for you to showcase your family's personality and story. So when you're out thrifting, keeping an eye out for some of the things that could adorn your bookshelf by telling your family's story is a good thing. So what are they for me? Number one are brass items. I'm always on the lookout for brass bookends or fun figurines. And I don't always say yes to them. There are some that I've definitely put back on the shelf. I can admire them and say, no, thank you. This is for someone else. But some of my favorites, in fact, I found some this last weekend were brass duckhead bookends. Those are adorable sitting on your bookshelf. They add a touch of whimsy and can be a little bit unexpected, inviting conversation. Now, if my goal is to be able to tell my family's story by collecting and curating some of these items. Does my family love ducks? Not necessarily. We sure love nature, so that's helpful, but we absolutely love books. And so these duck heads are going to be able to accentuate the books, that the books are the thing that are telling my family's story. The second thing that I'm going to be looking for that might accentuate my bookshelf styling are books. <laughs> Imagine that. My boys are voracious readers, and I'm so thrilled for that. So I want them to have access to lots of books. One thing you'll see when you walk into our library is you will see a lot of classics. We have abridged versions, we have semi-abridged versions, and we also have full-length versions. These were for them as they were developing as readers. And I'm, even though they are all very fluent, reading above grade level, I'm not entirely sure I'm ready to get rid of the abridged versions. Not quite yet. These might be things that we will pass down to their children, and I'm okay with that. So I'm always on the lookout for books that they might be interested in, in reading, classics that can continue adding to our collection, but I'm not always looking for personal reading. Sometimes I'm looking for things that, quite honestly, look cute. Books that can help your seasonal decor, that can help elevate your mini vignettes that are throughout your home, coffee table books, things like that. So take, for example, this scenario. Last year, I found some vintage gardening books, a Martha Stewart book and another gardening book, and I removed the dust jacket. Now this is essential. I wanna make sure I see what is underneath the cover so that I can see the hardbound, the color of the hardbound, what shape it is in, and if it is displayable. I found two that were green and the green was lovely. I was setting the stage, redecorating for spring, and I put those on my credenza in my dining room. Put a plant on top, a little beads, and it was adorable. So the books I'm looking for are generally categorized as coffee table books. And the content inside, though I might not read it, I didn't read the Martha Stewart gardening book, 
is going to be something that would indicate to any one of us who are looking at it that this is important to us. This subject is important, like gardening, like plants. I happen to love plants and I love gardening. So that made perfect sense. Would it make sense for me to have a football book on my coffee table? Not for me, maybe for my kiddos, but not for me. <laughs> the third thing that I always look for that is under the subcategory of bookshelf styling also can cross over to the next subcategory, which is tablescape. And this is wooden serviceware. Now, what I mean by wooden serviceware are things like wood bowls, both big and small. Why would I want wooden bowls on my bookshelf? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> wooden bowls create an opportunity for holding things of importance. They also add interest when you're looking at it from afar and can reduce the clutter. But for me, it, the wooden bowls might not necessarily hold food. We have a kiddo with food allergy, so that's not a risk I'm willing to take. So those wooden things are not going to be sitting on my, on my table per se, but they can be reused around the home. Maybe as a key holder, maybe as a card holder, you like to have games, maybe as a plant holder. You get the idea. Imagining what those wooden items can be used for, aside from their original purpose, can create interest in your home design. The fourth thing I'm looking for when I go thrifting that falls into the category of the bookshelf styling would be planters and vases. Now, this one is a little bit tricky because I know that when I go to a thrift store, I am going to have several options. In fact, I think the vase aisle and the planter aisle is probably the most crowded, it seems like to me. But even though it might be the most crowded, the choices can be a little bit limited. So this is where I walk in and I expect that I am going to look at the original form and probably not like it in its original state. So my imagination cap is turned on. I want to know if I can imagine a new look for it that isn't what I see there. So for example, a few years ago, I found this really nicely shaped vase. It was about 16 inches tall, maybe about eight inches wide, and it was decorated with um, splotched blue and white paint with a watermelon on top. Not super cute. Not super cute at all, but it probably was back in the 80s and could be appreciated back in the 80s. But I wasn't necessarily drawn to what I was seeing on the vase as I was the shape of the vase. And recently, one of the trends that was popping up at the time and still is current were these Pottery Barn vases that looked like they had texture to it and they were deep in color, saturated deeply. And I was really gravitated towards that. So when my imagination cap was on in that aisle, I thought, I'm going to take it home, I'm going to transform this into a Pottery Barn vase, and voila, what I spent $6 on, including supplies and the vase, would have cost me about $85 in Pottery Barn. I'm going to actually link that blog post so you can take a peek. That's what I mean when I say keep your imagination cap on because you might not find what it is you like in its original form, and if you do, Pat yourself on the back because that is wonderful and rare. The fifth thing that I look for when I'm thrifting that would fall into the subcategory of bookshelf styling would also transfer over to other household decor, and that is naturally woven materials. So like baskets, straw bags, things like that. 
I love the look and the texture. I love the warmth that straw and wicker, all of those naturally woven items provide. They mimic what wood does to a space, but sometimes one of the biggest decorating mistakes we fall into is having too many wood tones in one space. And that can increase the heaviness of the space, but the rattan and the wicker can lighten it down. It can bring an airiness to it that brings the warmth still, but is not going to be as heavy as something that is wood. If we think design terms more globally, those naturally woven materials can fall very nicely into those global design styles that we all want to gravitate towards, like farmhouse, nautical, boho. Naturally woven materials play very nicely with a lot of different design styles globally, as well as bring nuance to a space, which is what we're striving for. This is one of those ones where if I see, however, a basket that I'm loving the shape and it is heavily dusted, when I see something that is naturally woven and the intricacy of the details of it, and it's super dusty, super dirty, it is a non-starter. I will not bring it home because it's just going to take too much work in order to get it back to its original state. So although I do clean my naturally wovens, I don't want to spend hours and hours or do any research in order to get into the crooks and crannies of all the little spaces that will likely get missed if I do bring it home. Before we move on to the other things that I'm always on the hunt for that are on my generalized list, I want to mention that if you are at all interested in learning how to style your bookshelf, like those pictures you see on Pinterest, like those pictures you see on Instagram, and if you're wondering how it is that they make those bookshelves look put together, composed, cute, cohesive. If you're wondering how to do that, I have a guide for you and you can find that. I'll link it, put the link in the show notes where you can find it. The wonderful thing about this guide is that the principles and the concepts that you learn within it are translatable to all flat surfaces. So you can learn it for your bookshelf, but you can also apply the same things to your mantles, your pianos, your tablescapes, your credenzas, and it's something that is going to elevate the look of your home. So I do encourage you to go check it out if you are wanting to elevate the look of your flat surfaces and your bookshelves. And by the way, the art in this bookshelf style guide is so beautiful. My friend Holly created it for me and I couldn't be more pleased with the way that we work together in order to design these beautiful, beautiful pictures for you. Of course, it is not necessarily a you look at it and copy it. It is something that you learn the principles behind it. So go check it out. I hope that you do. And if you do use it, I would like you to make sure you tag me over on Instagram or pop into the Facebook group so that we can see how you've styled your bookshelf. That would be so much fun. The other things that I'm looking for that are on my generalized list, some of them have to do with creating a beautiful tablescape. So number six on my list is white serviceware. When you have white serviceware, some of you might be thinking, oh, bland, boring. But if you think about it as your foundation piece, you can create really wonderfully layered, intentional, stylistically beautiful tables. I'm looking for interesting pieces that can complete the look if I ever want to set the table in a really lovely fashion. You may remember me mentioning that I absolutely love setting the table. In fact, if we're having a dinner party, it is so much fun, the actual party, but I love the preparation for it. I love the meal planning. I love thinking about what 
how I can serve the people who are coming over. I love the cooking part, but honestly, I love setting the table. And when you can create levels of interest and layer and depth on your table, it can be a little bit like unwrapping a gift when you sit down. So having white as its foundation allows you to dress your table for different seasons with different colors, with different holidays. It can allow for a lot of flexibility. So some of the things that I'm always on the hunt for are interesting white serving pieces like soup bowls, maybe tureens. I'm looking for cake stands so that you can elevate the items that are on your tablescape. I'm looking for all of that in order to be the foundation for a beautiful tablescape. Another thing that I'm looking for for my tables is glassware and stemware. Now you know that grandma's stemware is definitely on my list. So if I remember, I'll take a peek for that. But I am drawn to vintage glassware. Oftentimes they are rimmed with gold or silver. They might have etchings in them or they might have some printed piece on top and it's just interesting of course if it's printed and it has been washed and worn and faded over time I don't necessarily gravitate towards those but the ones that really catch my eye are the ones that have a little bit more detail that are a little bit more interesting and could be a wonderful conversation starter at the table the next thing that sometimes can fall into the tablescape or bookshelf decor or just generalized home decor The thing that I'm looking for is seasonal decor. Sometimes these are plates. Sometimes these are decorations for the bookshelf. Sometimes these are decorations for the Christmas tree. Sometimes decorations for the tablescape. So imagine this. We have the white foundation. We have the rattan charger on the table. We have the white plate on top. And then we have some seasonal decor. Maybe it's Christmas time and we have red checked plates to sit on top of the white plate. Or maybe it's Easter and we have the green stamped leaf plate sitting on top of the foundational white pieces sitting on top of the rattan, though naturally woven. All of those, I can imagine thrifting each of those items and each of them put together create layers and depth and texture and warmth and visual interest to your tablescape. Now, one quick side tip when you're looking for seasonal decor, of course, the volume of seasonal decor is going to amplify when it's close to that holiday or the season sin, but not always. I know that there's always going to be a Christmas aisle in my favorite thrift store. It's always going to be there. Of course, it will be a little bit more full around November and December, but I know I can find stuff in the middle of July, so I will keep my eyes out. I won't discredit it, even though I might not be thinking Santa Claus around that time. I've lost count with how many I've shared with you, how many tips for a generalized shopping list anytime I go thrifting, but I kind of think I'm on number nine. So the ninth thing I have on my generalized list is anything in the trending color of the year. Now we're gonna be talking about that in an upcoming episode, but last year, Pantone came out with a color and the color of the year was a yellow, yellow and gray actually. And so last year I would have been on the hunt for yellow. I know that when I'm trying to incorporate or try out a trend incorporating the color of the year, I'm not going to go ahead and 
just ditch my couch and buy the color of the year couch. I'm not going to do that, but I might try to find fabric in that color so I can make napkins or pillowcases. I might try to find things that could go on the bookshelf or the, t um, the credenza in the dining room. I might try to find teeny tiny little bits of art that I can incorporate into my home if I like that color. This color of the year, Pantone's color of the year, I'm not necessarily a fan of, but I have to say I wasn't last year either, but we'll get into that in another episode. But if you're not into following the color of the year, you could try scouting out different trends, different things that could be trending, making their way into um, the home design in the new year and maybe giving that a try. Sometimes people have found it already, they've tried it, they don't like it. Sometimes we know the trends, they come and go. So they can repeat themselves so frequently that a trend that was happening 20 years ago is now a trend again, and you might find it at a thrift store. So be on the lookout for things that you might see in magazines, you might see in on Pinterest, you might see on HGTV, wherever your design inspiration is, be on the lookout for those things within the thrift store so you can put in your home. And number 10, the very last thing that is on my generalized list of things I look for is something I really, really wish I would have known about years and years ago, or would have been on my radar. Of course I knew about it, but I wish I would have had it on my radar. It would have saved me so much time, so much money, and so much headache. And that is party supplies. So you can imagine I love to throw a dinner party, but I love throwing kiddo birthday parties and my kids, my kids are getting to the age where they don't necessarily want the big party, but we have done things like Harry Potter, you know, they're all thematic, right? So maybe we have dressed up, we've had the stations to make, to manage the kiddo crowds just a little bit better. We have um, potions, we have like science experiments, we have thematic food that goes with it. it I mean, it is the whole deal. And I love it. It is so much fun. It's also a lot of work. And when you're crafting all of these things at home, because you have this idea, this brainchild that you want to bring to life for your kiddo, sometimes it would have been really, really wise if I could have gotten some of the decorations um, thrifted. And I didn't really catch on to that until maybe a couple years ago, actually, where I started browsing that party supply aisle that home office aisle at a thrift store and realize that there are some real treasures in there. And a lot of times what I'll find is that they're not necessarily used. They are brand new in the package from some person who had really great intentions of throwing a great party and probably did, but might not have used the item. And so they got rid of it to someone else's benefit. And I really wish it would have been mine. However, with that said, I did really love and I still do really love crafting. So I will spend an afternoon crafting and it can be really very therapeutic, but I wish I would have known back then party supplies, tablecloths, uh, napkins, even those fun paper straws, lots and lots of really fun things that you can find in the party supply or office supply aisle at the thrift store. So keep your eye out the next time you need a something beachy for your beach birthday party and you don't want to spend $15 per lawn ornament when you can get it at the thrift store. All right, so that is my list of 10 and I'm going to really quick recap so that it gives you inspiration for 
what you should be on the lookout for when you go the next time you go thrifting. And I do want to see your finds. I want to see what it is you find and how you use it. So tag me on Instagram or pop into our um, Facebook group and share it with us. I do want to see what it is you're finding and how you use it. Okay, really quick recap, things that are on my list. Number one, these five things, by the way, or four things are for the bookshelf. So number one, brass items. Number two, books. Number three, vases and planters. Number four, naturally woven materials, things like wicker and rattan, baskets, um, maybe chargers for the table, that kind of thing. And wooden serviceware is number f- number four. Things for the table. Things that I love having for the table are white serviceware, glassware and stemware, even seasonal decor. I also love looking for things that are trending I specifically mentioned the color of the year, but sometimes you'll find home decor items that trend and you'll see it in different design areas. Keep a lookout for those and then party supplies. So tell me, what is on your list? What is your generalized list? Now, these were all suggestions given for what happens when you are going thrifting and you're on the hunt, you wanna be efficient. You're keeping that generalized list, you're managing your, your expectations, but I also wanna talk to you about what happens when you find the furniture item, because I know that this trend that we've been chasing for the last couple of weeks, the trend is getting rid of cheap replicas, and I think they are not just talking about the home decor stuff, I think they are talking about furniture. And you can marry and mix old and new furniture so well, an old and new style so well, that it really looks like a curated home. So I wanna give you a few quick tips for not necessarily what to look at or what to look for with furniture. Of course, you wanna make sure that you're drawn to it, that you like the, the overall style and the bones of it, and that it is not damaged. But beyond that, we know that items Furniture items that are in a thrift store have lived another life. They are ready for their second chapter. They're ready for retirement. They're ready to work again. Whatever the scenario, these furniture items have seen a day or two. And sometimes they come to you a little bit banged, a little bit beat up, a little bit in need of some TLC. So I want to give you a few quick tips for how to navigate the gouges, the scratches, the smells, the whatever it is. I want to give you a few quick tips, things that I've run into over and over and over again. And it might make your job of redoing or repurposing or bringing in an old piece a little bit more, a little easier, a little bit more attainable, a little bit more enjoyable. So here we are, my quick tips for what to do once you get home with your piece of furniture. So the things I'm going to talk about are the top six things I see over and over in furniture pieces you might find at a thrift store. We're going to go from least offensive to most offensive, and maybe not offensive, but most work. The first thing is the sticky residue. Now, of course, there are products like Goo Gone and Dissolve It. Those can be really harsh, and if you're trying to move away from the use of chemicals in your home, if you use lemon or lemon essential oil instead of the gugan, that will help. But if you're really stuck, get out that blow dryer, heat up the little bits of stick and allow that to melt right away and it'll come right out. Okay, the second thing is when you have a smell and you open up the, the cupboard, you open up the chest, you open up the whatever it is and there is a smell inside and you 
spray Febreze, you wipe it down, you wash it with soap and water, and it still stinks. What I want you to get is some kitty litter. Put it in a little cardboard box or a plastic container and leave it inside in the closed area. Leave it in there for a little while. Give it a try. See if that will absorb some of the odor. You can also try baking soda. See if that will absorb the odor. Give it a little bit of time to do that. And if that doesn't work, you can always prime the inside with Kills Primer. Kills, K-I-L-Z, is a paint. And it is kind of an odor eliminating um, a primer layer that is, it's really great for if you have things that are in need of a really solid boundary. (laughs) It keeps the smells in, the stains in, and allows you to paint over it. Now, of course, if you're using kills, you you aren't going to be able to um, bring it down to the natural wood. So you'll have to paint over it as your solution or wallpaper or something like that. Okay, number three are scratches. Scratches are so common in furniture and wood furniture. And of course, I'm talking about all wood, um, the real good stuff, right, that you're going to find. Now, this one, bear with me for a minute because it's a little bit unconventional And I don't quite understand the science behind it. I do still need to do a little bit of research, but it has proven um, time and time again to work for me. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to the grocery store and get a walnut. Now, I am lucky enough to have in-laws who have walnut trees, and so I just grab walnuts from their tree or from the ground, and I use those. I crack it open, I cut open, or I cut break the walnut itself so I can get it fresh and expose the oils and then I rub the walnut directly on top of the scratch. Okay again not entirely sure the science behind it but what I see happen is that the tone of the scratch changes from it's generally a lighter color than the the wood tone on top it changes into the tone that it is stained on top. It's pretty magical. Go try it out. Just trust me on this one. (laughs) The next thing is when you have gouges. So the fourth thing I see is deep gouges. Now a gouge is something that is, of course, bigger than a scratch. And if you see a piece of furniture that you like at a thrift store, Facebook marketplace, and it has a gouge, don't necessarily write it off. Gouges can be fixed really beautifully with a little bit of wood filler. You get the wood filler, you fill in the hole, and you'll need to sand it down to create the smooth surface. But generally speaking, those now, those pieces of furniture now are no longer candidates for sanding and staining. So these ones are really great for redoing with paint because you won't see the wood filler underneath. Now, you will find on the shelf, you will find um, at local hardware stores, you will find that... There are wood fillers that say they are a certain stain color, and I gotta say, they've got a lot of work to do in order to create a product that really actually does look like the stain. So I would say want want on that and just paint the piece if you have a gouge. Okay, number five is when you have a water stain. You love the piece of furniture, but someone left their cup of coffee, someone left their ice cold iced tea, and there there is now a watermark on it. Don't send it to Goodwill. Don't necessarily walk by it if you are at Goodwill and it is fixable. Now listen very, very carefully because you could do more damage to it 
if you don't follow this step closely. So what is going to happen to lift that stain is a nice warm iron, but you need to protect the surface of the wood and whatever protectant, protective um, layering was on top, like the varnish or the wax or whatever it was that was the top coat of that furniture. So you want to protect that because anytime you bring an iron to a piece of wood, you could end up damaging it and I don't want you to do that. So what you might do is get a an old white knit t-shirt. So something without a print, something without any pile, and a men's undershirt is perfect. Plain white cotton. And you're going to fold that up a couple times and then you're going to set your iron on very low setting. And I'm not even going to have you put the iron on top of that knit. I want you to put one more layer on top in order to give it a little bit of a buffer, but not too much of a buffer because you do want the heat to go through. So you're going to make sure that you have a little bit, another layer, maybe even folding the knit cotton t-shirt four or five times to give lots of buffer so that the iron does not touch the wood. I'm going to rub that around a little bit, lift it up every once in a while so you're not putting too much heat and pressure on it. And you're going to do that over and over and over until the stain lifts. Now, very, very important that you do not use any fabric that has a pile. So I, immediately what comes to mind for me is terry cloth. And terry cloth has all of those teeny tiny little fibers that you add heat to it, you put it on something that has... A finishing layer like polyurethane and it's going to just transfer all those teeny tiny fibers into the top of your um, your furniture piece so careful with that and if you want help I do want you to reach out so that you um, are asking the right questions before you get started but this one is another one where I've seen time and time again that it it works but another cautionary note sometimes when you do add heat the protective surface um, does wear a little bit off. So just be mindful of that, that it can lift the water stain, but you might need to then sand down the entire top to get a nice new finish afterwards. Because chances are, if you just go right to the sanding and you leave the water stain where it is, that water stain isn't going to come up with sanding. So note to the, note to the wise, start with lifting the water stain first. Okay, and then the last thing that I know you girls can do if you find you're in this predicament where you have a piece of furniture and it is more damaged than just a water stain, it is water warped. Now, this isn't going to work on every piece of furniture, but it can work on some, and it has worked on some for me. Every once in a while, you'll find that the top layer of the furniture where the water damage is, is a really, really thin layer. What could look like balsa wood or a very thin layer of plywood. If you gently remove that, because chances are that piece of, piece of furniture is already warping, if you remove that, you can replace it with the same um, piece of balsa wood or same thickness of plywood and glue it into place, clamp it down, and you are good as new and you've now separated, taken off the, the worst of the water damage, and you have a brand new side. So that is just a quick, quick, quick tip if you are running into that and you love the piece, but there's too much water damage or you think there's too much water damage. Okay, if you have more tips that you want to share with our girls, I want you to come in and share them with us in our Facebook group. What do you know that I didn't mention here? And give us a quick tip. 
show us a before and after in the picture because we all want to be inspired to really follow this trend that is a new but old trend. <laughs> and I do want to say before I go that if you are finding yourself with that piece of furniture and you are loving the idea of mixing old and new and you're loving the idea of fixing the gouge that's there or pulling up that water stain and you're ready to transform your furniture by paint, I want you to go to bit.ly forward slash painting furniture 101 and grab the paint class because that will walk you through step by step holding your hand the whole way, how you can transform that piece that felt tired, that felt retired, that felt used, that felt old, and bring new life into your space just with a can of paint. I know you can do it, sister. And honestly, that piece of furniture has been calling your name for far too long. So I think it's about time. All right, girls, until next week, I hope you are all well. See you soon. Hey, real quick before you go, if you learned something new or found value in today's podcast, would you head over to iTunes to Fig and Farm at Home and leave a review and subscribe to the show? That would be awesome. And if you'd like to connect with my community of mamas who are learning to be intentional storytellers within their own homes, join us at bit.ly forward slash design 101 group. There's always more room at the table. See you soon.